Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics Podcast, joined today by my good friend, Tom Smith. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. So, Tom, want to spend some time today talking with you about the upcoming NBA season. You know, before we even get into that, you know, just by nature of the business that we're in, you know, so when I think about a season coming up, I can't help but think about it from a marketing perspective. Okay. You know, do you find the same thing in terms of thinking about this stuff as a, an economist? Um, yeah. So since I, you know, teach a class in um, uh, sports, economics, and finance, I'm always thinking about the season the rule changes, um, how teams are positioning themselves from both an economics and a finance perspective. You can't, you can't help it, right? That's the kind of the world we live in. We live this stuff as, as faculty people. You know, we, we put <laughs> 40, 10, maybe 50 hours a week, right? That's right. One of those things. Yeah. One of those uh, amounts. Some massive amount of time thinking about things from certain perspectives. And so like it's as we go into the NBA season, I can't stop. But, you know, I watch ESPN, and part of me thinks it's a commercial for the NBA at this point. You know, ESPN this morning, the the first take show, you know, they had uh, in their background, they had uh, one banner for one panel for the Golden State Warriors and another panel for, well, can you guess which team? I'm guessing Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and, and you know, as they go in, you know, they, they almost cover it as – show business at this point. LeBron James is, and it's it's interesting in a way, right? Because LeBron, part of the move to Hollywood seems to have been to hook up, hook himself up for more entertainment properties as well. Probably. Well, I mean, he's doing a voiceover on uh, an animated film that's out right now. I think they're Yetis or something. Okay. Sounds about right. (laughs) Our kids have both grown out of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's we're growing out of Yetis situation, so. As we go into this league, I mean, what, what, what are you thinking about from a this season, what do you think about from a high level? From a 30,000-foot view, I'm thinking about how does, the, how does the NBA convince everybody that the season is meaningful? And so they've got billion, I, not can, quite billion-dollar, but close to billion-dollar television contracts. Can I stop you there for a you second? Can, sure. Meaningful. What do you mean by that word? So when I say meaningful, I mean 
the average sports fan wants to turn on a game and not have the the result be a foregone conclusion. Like you want the theater element of the sporting competition to be in existence. And so I love Can I drop a term in the middle of this? You can. Okay. So some notion of competitive balance. Yeah, absolutely. So we want it, we we don't want to know what the outcome of the game is before the game starts. That's a, that makes for a really boring uh, competition for a, a majority of your casual sports fans, right? I mean, you and I are both homers in our particular sports. You have favorite college football teams. I have favorite baseball teams, and we want those teams to win regardless. And we, you know, I, I want it to be a good game, but I be, I'm okay with a blowout. I mean, I'm okay as long as I get the W, right? Who's your basketball team? Uh, I once upon a time I was a super huge Bulls fan. Now I'm paying more attention to individual players and so i'm starting to pay attention to how a team is putting their players together instead of a team i'm thinking about it from a individual player perspective so a lot of a lot of things i want to i'm struggling not to interrupt you no 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 go ahead. A, lot, a lot of good words in here yeah and so when you say you're starting to look at this from individual players are you talking as a as an analyst, or are you talking as a fan? Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking both. So one thing is that since since um, I don't really I'm a man without a without a team, so um, I'm thinking about why is that? Well, I moved from Chicago about 11 years ago. My Bulls fell apart at various a times. couple of times. <laughs> I was really getting into watching the Atlanta um, Hawks. You know, we have some. Emory alum that were um, intimately involved in that team, and that was a lot of fun to be involved in the team when you have some connections. And so I was really getting into the Hawks, but man, it's just really tough when you you try so many times to kind of put together a, a group of of athletes that could click, and you just never quite get it. And so well, it, it does became, seem to be the the one of the problems with Atlanta, right? Is you know, because you wonder if we're looking at that right now with the Falcons locally. Right. You know, Atlanta teams, you know, Atlanta's got a bad bad rep as a uh, place for fans. And it seems like a lot of the times the Atlanta teams make these little mini runs for a couple of years where they're near the top of the league, but never at the actual top of the league. Well, I mean, our Falcons came really close, right? Mm-hmm. And the Braves have, I mean, for years the Braves were sort of the dominant team you know, in the league. But only one World Series but in that run? only one World Series in that run, right? I've had lots of discussions with people about that in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So talking about who the next destiny is. But, I mean, that, that aside... Dynasty? A dynasty, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? What did I say? Destiny? Destiny. <laughs> destiny, dynasty. It's the same thing. So uh, Michael J. Fox callback uh, density. Density. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You are by density. Okay. So, um, so... I think that because because it's hard to be a sports fan in Atlanta, then I'm starting to look at a team as sort of a collection of players, and I'm thinking about, okay, is there a, is there a fantasy basketball league that I can join? Can I think about you know trying to choose like a, a group of players that would represent um, individual individual performance within a group mm-hmm. context? So I'm I'm just thinking about the game a little bit, the basketball game a little bit differently. And that's motivated by the fact that I don't want to watch 82 games and already know 
who's going to win the championship. That just doesn't become interesting okay. to me Okay, who's going to win the championship this year? I'm going to give it uh, the Golden State Warriors okay. 75%. 75%. It might be a little low. I mean, I, I don't know what the what the betting odds are, but they've got to be a prohibitive favorite at this point. They are. The sports book is putting some huge odds on them. I mean, and what's so, the um, in, in, you know an expected win total for Golden State as well? I would say... 65 games. You think 65 games? I, well, I think that Steve Kerr has has been he's been a, as part of a team that won 72 games. His team with Golden State won 73 and didn't win a championship. So those marginal games don't mean anything once you secure home court advantage. That's what you need to win the win the playoffs. I think the common fan might would not be surprised if Golden State won 75 games this year. I I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if they won seventy five games. Yeah. I would be shocked if they won less than sixty five. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd have, I mean if you have an injury, Steph you know blows out his knee in like game three or something, then that could happen. And so this this is to me kind of an interesting story. Right? So I think when we were talking about when you're talking about competitive balance, you were you know you you ended up talking some about you know what the fans want, and again you know that sort of coincides with how I want to think about this stuff okay. in terms of what the consumer wants. It's uh, So what is the right level of competitive balance? Because if I'm a Bulls fan in the early 90s, let's say, or I'm a Golden State fan right now, am I pretty content to win 80 games, 82 games? That make me absolutely thrilled? Uh, that would mean, you know, we were both, I don't know if we were both Bulls fans in the in the 90s. Everyone in that city was, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, I was I was happy with uh, two sets of three peats. You know, the minimum eight peat, and you know, yeah. traveling with the Bulls. I mean, you know, we, I would go to other cities to watch the Bulls play. I was watching them all the time. It became sort of a, a, a just a, what I did when I wasn't working. Yeah. Okay. I was so tracking so, the Bulls. So let me ask you a question that I think I know the answer to. When you went to other cities to watch the Bulls, uh, were those games sold out? Oh, absolutely. Right. And I talked to some of the marketing guys um, in Milwaukee and in Indiana at the time when I was, I was just out of, I was just out of school and I was working and working on developing classes. And I and I sought out these guys from Milwaukee and I talked to them about, you know, what their goal was. And they they were one of the first teams to put together a set of ten packs. It was a ten plus yeah. two. And so the only way you could buy Bulls tickets in Milwaukee was to buy a ten pack of games. And so I actually ended up buying ten packs of games for years. I actually saw the the seventy win game in Milwaukee uh, as part of that ten pack that okay. I had purchased. Don't even really have to look this up. I would guess that when LeBron James comes through Atlanta this year, that the Hawks will sell that game out. Yeah, and they'll sell it as part of a they'll sell it as part of a ten pack or a five pack of it, of seats. And they may well. I mean, I don't know that they keep you know looking at what the Lakers road attendance is going to be this year. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers end up being the you know the the best in the league in terms of road attendance. Yeah, I, I think I think we probably know that the Lakers are or, gonna, or Golden State as well. right? Golden State, yeah. and I would I would I'm going to throw the Celtics in there as a third team that has it's going to have pretty good road attendance. They were very competitive last year, mm-hmm. and I think people really want to know what they're up to. Okay, let's come back to the Celtics because I think. To me, at least, this is a fascinating discussion because, you know, so we, we start from the premise that uh, fans want uncertainty of outcome. Right. But then we say, just and then just as a thought exercise, right, and this is going to break down pretty quickly, I think, so, you know, push me on this, okay. that uh, I want my team to win every game Yeah. as a Bulls fan or as a LeBron fan or as a Steph Curry fan. 
I could also I could imagine well, well that's not such a great outcome for folks in other cities but we also have this phenomena in the NBA where people actually want to go out and see those guys and so the you know I, I think when Kobe came through here in Atlanta for the final time you know in, in this new world of dynamic pricing it's not only that you sell out this ends up being the Christmas season for a retailer this is where you're making your your bank it's a really great point they they have you know they have 400 and I, and I apologize for using the phrase making bank as a 51 year old <laughs> college professor sorry that's okay no so that so they had you know they have 400 level seats at the at the Phillips arena that they opened almost entirely just because of that that game the Kobe Bryant retirement game and so you know that these seats are going to be sold out and people who aren't even basketball fans will go and so it's so curious that you mention this but I took my kid to go see LeBron, and he's not a basketball fan per se, but he is a LeBron James fan. He's He wanted the shoes. I bought him the shoes for Christmas. He wanted to go see the game because of LeBron. And he's and I said, dude, I didn't know you, you, know you were into basketball. What is uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. What is LeBron then? Is he a basketball player? Yeah, I well clearly he's a basketball player, but he's also is he more than a basketball player? Yeah, I mean he's an entertainer, but he's also um, he's also I don't know he's a role model for the kid for these kids. He's um, he's a, he's a, he's articulate. He's he holds himself together well. He is definitely part of a philanthropic movement. I mean he's just I think he's he really is as close to the full package of what we would expect from an entertainer. As you're going to okay. get, and I was kind of hoping that I could trick that word out of your entertainer as a person, a celebrity. Yeah, but I mean, the, so here's what I like about the entertainment, and this is this is maybe gets more to the economics and and a little bit of the marketing is that think think about this. I just took I just took my family. We went to New York and went and saw a show. We went and saw Phantom of the Opera, which was you know very nice on Broadway. I'd never seen it on Broadway before. My and my son had never seen a Broadway musical. I'm shocked by this. I've never seen a Broadway Broadway musical. So I, I had, may never have sat through a musical on TV. Well, that's okay. But in any case, so everybody. I mean, I don't think my kid may have known what the outcome of that is. Spoiler alert: There's a phantom. So the okay. Phantom win? <laughs> I mean, I the Phantom, but I mean, the not exactly, right? The Phantom doesn't lose, but the Phantom doesn't win, okay? And so, but 90% of the people in that theater know exactly how it's going to turn out, and they're spending, you know, a, a, a buck fifty, two hundred dollars per seat, right? Hamilton, everybody knows, I mean, spoiler alert, Hamilton gets assassinated at the end of that musical, and people are spending thousands of dollars. Here is th- pure theater, and we don't, want to know the outcome like we we hope that lebron james wins we hope that steph curry wins but we don't actually know the output outcome that's what makes it great theater and that's why people would be willing to spend two three five you know a thousand bucks because they don't know the outcome although they they want to know the outcome well but but i don't even know what outcome they want so let's say you're sitting in atlanta Do you want and, and you're paying a premium to see Kobe's last game or LeBron come through town? Do you want? Are you rooting for the Hawks or are you rooting for LeBron? Oh, that's good. Both, uh, both. both. Okay, both. Right. So my kid was hoping that the Hawks were going to win, but LeBron was going to score forty. Okay, that's right. And those are those are those are consistent outcomes. You okay, can so have me, that outcome. Let me throw out another ter- piece of terminology from the academic literature, but it's a, it's a, it's a good one because it, it resonates with anyone. So. 
The Economics of Stardom. Nice. So is LeBron a star? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. Who's the second biggest star in the NBA? It's right. So oh, and, and, Durant, maybe okay. Steph Curry or Durant. And what does being a star mean? Yeah, I think it means that you can command an audience regardless of where you go. Right? So some something extra beyond the playing skill? Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, so the, the literature that gets into the economics of, of superstars not only talks about what their influence is, but really... Is Kawhi is the, Leonard a star? I'm not sure how to even spell his first name, so <laughs> uh, no. I don't... I mean, yeah, maybe? Is James Harden a star? Yeah, James Harden is definitely a star. You can't... You know, you're going to um, load up the minivan and take the kids out to the uh, stadium to see James Harden? Mm, I mean, in, in they the, would. The, I would if they, if this, they is, this is This is unfair, right? No, no, Because no, they're sort of levels of stardom. Could, could I make the case, you know, in some ways, these stars of the NBA in the last generation were Jordan, Kobe. Shaq. You think Shaq? Yeah. Okay. Right. Maybe, maybe Shaq. Right. And then LeBron. Right. And maybe Steph Curry coming up. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think if you really want to think about it like like a star and think about it like entertainment, think about it from a marketing perspective, then if you're the NBA, you, now, now I'm going to ask you a question. You know how when you're advertising a movie, right, and it's, you know, you've got the movie guy there saying, you know, Tom Cruise, you know, so-and-so is going to be in, the, like, you know, action to the nines you know will he die will he save the world right all this stuff and it's it's a tom cruise movie right yeah. or it's uh i mean whoever it happens to be but i mean i'm just tom cruise came to my mind all right and so the movie is presented as a you know it's mi3 but it's a tom cruise movie so if you're the nba are you okay with the fact that now this is a lebron james movie or this is a steph curry movie is that what you want from a marketing perspective well you know, this has always been the interesting thing about the league, the NBA, right? In terms of all the professional leagues, the NBA has always been the most star-driven league, right? Okay. Yeah. Going back to, you know, let's let's say from the the merger kind of time period, where the stars were maybe the original NBA. You know, you got so we're going back to like Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Julius Irving. I mean, from from my childhood, I think of Ju- Julius Doctor J as sort of the first mm-hmm. NBA star that was on my radar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar moving into um, Jordan and uh, sorry, um, Bird and Magic, Magic, right? And they were almost a package deal. Yeah, know? they were almost tied to the. Yeah, to those the, two were. Yeah, those two were. Those two were linked. Yeah. Those were. They were. They're, uh, the fact that they combated each other made them more impressive. Ma- made them more than they probably yeah, would have been on absolutely. their own. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, moving into Jordan, and you know, I, Jordan was an interesting one because Jordan, I think, eclipsed just about anything else. You know, Jordan really was, I think, the first one that really kind of completely moved into popular culture and was entertainment, an entertainer. Yes. And so when Jordan is retiring, then the NBA, the game the NBA has evolved to is this issue of they're going to be the LeBron or the Jordan show. But then the problem is, well, what's next? So, you know, we could say, look, the NBA is doing great. Uh, ESPN loves LeBron. I think they devote, it doesn't seem to matter what time of year it is, they devote attention to everything LeBron does. So it's like, it's a publicity engine. What's after LeBron? Yeah, there'll be some star. I mean, there'll still be some star. You and Will I there? couldn't have. You and I couldn't have 
There's got to be, right? I mean, we didn't think that Who there was going to be... You, Javi, Javi Baez. I don't know, right? He's a he's a Cubs he's a Cubs player. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, you know, so yeah, so, I mean, it's I don't know. You got to develop it, and that's I mean. So let's take a tiny okay. detour. Okay, all right, I like um, detours. Mixed martial arts fighting. Okay, who's the biggest star in? Uh, and I'll say this because he might be the bi- who's the biggest star in the world right now in terms of being able to drive pay per view, being able to drive actual dollars. Is it Conor McGregor? I think so. I was just going to say McGregor because okay. I, I think he I think he just lost actually. But he, he did still just made like thirty million dollars or something, okay. right? And <laughs> yeah. so and wasn't there a fight afterwards or there's a fight after the yes. fight? <laughs> of course, it's got to be. Okay, and just an observation. Tom is talking about musical theater and is unaware of who won the UFC fight. I did. It was the other guy. It was not McGregor. I, I did. I was paying attention. I was paying attention. And the, I mean, the, but but so McGregor is, and, and look, we could go back in time, and I, I think of, you know, combat sports as kind of an interesting one for this discussion in that, you know, Mayweather what, drove a $400 million pay-per-view event. Yeah. Against Pacquiao, um, Ronda Rousey was the biggest star at UFC. Ronda Rousey, you know, lost a fight to Holly Holmes and then tried to come back, and I think lost again, and that star was over. Yeah, she was a. Bo- I mean, she tried some boxing, right? That did not go well for her, right? Well, I mean, I'm not sure what you know. Well, she so was Ronda Rousey. She went up against somebody who was, was a, actually more of a, a stri- more of a striker. Yeah, she and was, so the it's it's always the you know that that. We're, now we're really way afield, but you know yeah, no, the going. wrestler versus the boxer. You got right. you got to close the distance. Yeah, and which so. is it's the same thing. It's sort of the reverse of the McGregor thing. But I, I think McGregor was the biggest star. You know, with thirty million dollar payday being reported, something but, like that. Yeah. But he's now lost twice. If he loses again, is his star over? I don't think so. I mean, he's he's bigger than life itself. I mean, the guy is Ronda Rousey got to lose twice. Yeah, she got to lose twice. But uh, she wound up in a movie, yeah. Well, right? WWE, so, <laughs> right? And so, so I, you know what? Yeah. She, I mean, he, I don't know if she played her cards correctly. But right? but, but so, I got so, to trust that I got to trust that he's going to play his cards right. But he I, could lose a couple times. He could lose one more time. I threw he, that one out there because of what you said about they've got to develop the next star. They, How is the NBA developing that next star? I don't think that they are. I yeah. think that. I think what's happening is that there's so much attention, and maybe this is this is really the point of this. There's so much attention that's being um, that's that's being put on a handful of players, you know, or just these two teams or three teams, mm-hmm. that it's really difficult to. I want to call these super teams? Yeah, super teams. It's identi- It's I think it's very difficult to identify who your next star is going to be because if they're playing on, you know, the bobcats or whatever it happens to be it, i mean they could be a terrific player but just like no one's going to be paying attention and nobody cares right and okay. so at some point you say okay do is the only way they get people to care about the next star to get them on one of these super teams but of course then nobody cares about them either because okay. it's a super team i mean why would you care about and them why have super man? teams and this is where i wanted to get with this why have you know going back to this nba preview so as we go into the season it's going to be dominated by these so-called super teams why are we seeing this super team phenomena? If you are paying attention and you you and you identify the incentive structure of athletes, you want to make money, you want to make more money, and then you got to win championships because that's how you're okay. legitimized, right? So you got to win 
to build that brand, that individual brand, I got to win championships to be an all-time great. Think about, it. I mean, you know, when people when people give, um, oh, he was a foil for for Jordan for a while. Scotty Pippen. No, not Horace the, Grant. No, I, I was thinking about Dennis I, Rodman. I was thinking about the, Will Purdue. Who played? These are all, all all of his teammates. Craig no, Hodges. He was. I love Haji. I love Haji. No, um, uh, he played on the Phoenix Suns when they won. Um, when they when they went against the Bulls. Barkley. Yeah. Right, uh, Charles. Right, Charles Barkley. Right, right. And he didn't win a championship, right? And I think that people hold that against him over and over and over again. And it's if you're him, you got to be like, oh, great. I mean, it's you know, I was he he dominated the league in so many different ways, and so I mean, he was he was a star of the league, and yeah. he never got his championship. And when the it's, like when a, the it's like an NFL quarterback that doesn't win a Super Bowl, right? Right. It's the, they somehow he loses importance. It's it's Dan Marino, right? I mean, it's his, it's that's the asterisk on his record. You say yeah. great quarterback, but never never, never won, won the big Bowl, game, right? Yeah. Uh, guy with Buffalo, Bill Kelly. Sun. Oh, Jim Jim, Jim Kelly. Yeah. yeah, right. Jim, you know, four Super Bowls didn't couldn't couldn't okay. get the deal done. So the incentive to the individual is you want to win. You okay. want to make bank, then you want to win. Okay, well, and it's okay to win and okay. then make bank. But this issue of making bank—Are you talking about making bank within the league or outside the league? Extracurriculars. Extracurriculars are probably three times, four times what they can make. Okay, in the league. and why is that? Because they're stars. Because they're entertainers. No, but, wh- but why? Why can't I make money within the league? What has the league done to sort of create this issue for themselves? Well, I mean, it's so you've got these supermax contracts okay. that identify that you've got a cap on what. Right. I mean, so the NBA doesn't have what you call a hard cap. The NFL has a hard cap. The Major League Baseball has no cap at all. The um, NBA has a soft cap, right? And so after you hit this soft cap, then teams are penalized. They're taxed based on how much they go over the cap. And individual players have both minimums but they also have maximums in terms of how much you can play pay a player. Okay. So the NBA has put a maximum maximum on how much I can make. Pretty much. Okay. In any one year. In right? any one year. I mean you can sign a Okay. So what is what does this mean then? If you took away the maximum contracts, how much would LeBron make? And you know, we can ignore the numbers. Would his salary go up? Absolutely. Dramatically? Probably. Would it double, triple, triple? Would there be a team that was willing to pay him a hundred million dollars? Maybe if they value, if they can get a broadcast deal out of it. If they can get something else out of it, I mean, they're not going to make money from ticket sales, right? Those are capped, and it doesn't matter if they're paying him thirty or a hundred million. You can't get any more people. Mm-hmm. And the way that the, the way that those dollars are shared is, is that you get. The NBA has this 50-50 rule about this thing called BRI, basketball-related income. And so there's only so much money you can make from your fans. There's only so much money you can make from the sale of merchandise. That's split 32 ways, uh, 30 ways. Each team gets one-thirtieth of the basketball money from, from licensing. So you sell more jerseys. It doesn't matter. It helps mm-hmm. Cleveland as much as it helps you. Okay? The only way you can make more money from from your star is by having a bigger local broadcast deal or what we call a regional sports network deal. Let me ask you a follow-up question. You know, it's, it would um, would Kevin Durant and Steph Curry be on the same team if we didn't have super max contracts, if we didn't have max contracts? Maybe, because Kevin Durant wasn't going to win a championship with uh, Oklahoma City, 
that wasn't going to happen. Not with the Cleveland and Golden State com- combined. What they were doing and how they were putting together teams, I, I, since I'm not Kevin Durant, I can't say for sure, but I can imagine he said, look, I can't beat them, so I have to join them. Okay, so that drive for championships. But, but let me ask you this. If we got rid of the Supermax contracts, would the economics of the league completely change? And maybe there would be no super teams. And so then it would become a battle of not not LeBron sort of fighting against a collection of guys in Golden State. I mean, LeBron, LeBron actually kind of started this whole thing, right, by going down to Miami with a couple of friends. That's right, Chris Bosh and, um, right. and Dwayne Wade. Dwayne right. Wade. And yeah. so would, would you know if you got rid of that max, the nature of this game, would you end up having the players spread throughout the league rather than the current NBA model of almost like, well, you got to get three – you got to get three of the top ten players on your team to be able to win a championship. That's right. That's the sort of the Rick Sund kind of approach to winning championships. So, um, yeah, I think that if you got rid of the supermax contracts, would you have teams? Is is there somebody on the margin who would be willing to give up a ring for twenty a, million dollars? I think there might be a lot of guys. <laughs> so I mean, because I mean, because they have. We've yeah. seen this happen, but we usually see it happen after you win your ring, right? So we were talking about Horace Grant. We saw Horace Grant leave the Bulls, you know, mm-hmm. 1.0, and then he became part of uh, a team that the Bulls went against. And he I mean he didn't win another yeah. championship ring after his first three, and so the Bulls 2.0 kind of made a lot of people say, oh, my God, I can't believe I in- engaged in yeah. the actions I did because I, I thought I was going to win another ring here, so now I'm just out for the money. I think it's after you get the ring is when you say, now let me get paid. So it's an interesting thing. So it's like this idea of um, winning as a counterbalance between players, free agents, trying to maximize their income. I think we probably come down on different sides of this in terms of how willing guys would be to – give up the money if you got rid of the max contracts. How many rings solidify you as a legitimate mm-hmm. player in the league, a star player, a potential first first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, kind of and it's interesting to me because in, in some ways, you know, what I, what I get out of this conversation is sort of this notion of, you know, in the, in the case of the NBA, you know, you're, you're sort of building you know you're leveraging the stars that you have and then you one of your concerns is how do i create the next generation of stars right. to to get it so it's sort of the static component of you know right now to maximize the revenue of the league you're probably all in on lebron long term is there some benefit to starting to develop some other guys at the individual player level if we got rid of the salary cap or we got rid of the max con if we kept the salary cap but got rid of the max contracts would you have guys, interesting. Would you have guys that were trying to maximize their revenue versus in, in any one season versus trying to maximize their combination of revenue and winning championships because championships let me do ads for the general and icy hot and <laughs> copper fit, etc. That's right. You just described all of Shaquille O'Neal's, you know, I, afternoon. I think so. I threw a little Brett Favre in there too Did in you? the copper fit. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think that in it, I've talked to professional athletes, and I've talked to professional athletes who've made a lot of money who never won a championship, and they say, "Look, just oh, I wish I had gotten to the big game, just gotten there, right?" And then I've also talked to other athletes who won the championship and they've said look now i've got my ring like 
most guys don't even get a ring. Most guys don't even get a chance to win a ring. I won my ring. So if I get a chance to go to another team that's going to offer me a bunch of money, maybe I'll win a ring with them. But in any case, I have something that is very valuable that most players in the league will never have and probably won't even have a chance. I mean, think about okay. I mean, think about all the players in the league who are just saying, I can't believe that I'm in the league the same time that those guys are in the league. Like, that just has messed up my entire life. Talking about Barkley, maybe. Right. I mean, Barkley with, with okay. Jordan. But, I mean, there's a lot of good players in the league right now. Okay. And every, every year that goes by that's a Golden State win is one less that's opportunity for them, for them yep. to get a chance. James and, Harden, you know, while he's incredibly popular right now, maybe he doesn't become an all-time great. He's not He's not likely to unless he joins LeBron. Let me ask you in, one. In the Lakers. So let, me, let me start to move towards uh, something. I'm going to ask you one question that's going to be a little bit out of left field. I'm all, I'm and then I'm going to ask you to sort of get the last word on this. Uh, switching sports. Le'Veon Bell. Pittsburgh Steelers had a real shot at winning a championship this year. Maybe the best wide receiver in the game, an elite quarterback, the best running back in the league. Did he show up and pursue the championship? Or did he take a step back to maximize his revenues because he didn't want to take 400 touches of the ball, et cetera? Yeah, I I think that... um, That's an unfair question. (laughs) No, here's here's what you're identifying, is that individually we can say as a collective... The goal for an athlete is probably the ultimate, the championship, right? But it doesn't mean that each individual athlete might not say, you know what, screw this. I got to get paid. I got to get, I got to get paid. And it's, I think the NFL might be one of those situations where maybe the rules don't exactly apply because NFL stands for not for long. Yeah. So you're, when your knees give out and when you just can't walk well, anymore, it's, you and. Topic for another time. Yeah. But- you know, the collective bargaining rules were almost written in a way to put running backs at the most disadvantage of any position. Probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean it's you know, six years and then mm-hmm. you know, you gotta pay a you, you can't get to the third year. you can't get to the third contract and you barely get to the second contract. Barely get to yeah. the second contract. That's a really good that's a really good observation. Okay. That just So let me Different and, incentives for different sports and different incentives for different athletes in different sports. I know we're running out of time here, so let me ask you one quick question. You're now the NBA commissioner. Thank you. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a promotion for my current job. So it's... you're you. thinking about the long-term health of the league, the long-term health of that NBA brand. You're now in this environment of superstars, super teams, um, within a so you know, and it's largely driven by maybe the collective bargaining agreement, the marketing mm-hmm. strategies. What do you think in terms of the long term? You happy with it? Changes you want to make? Positioning for the next, let's say, ten, fifteen years. Um, I think I changed the I changed the formal relationship between the league and the the development league to make sure that I've got a path for players who might not be, you know, going to get drafted right out of college. Okay. I think that I consider whether or not we've got a max, like a at some point we click into a hard cap. Where we say, okay, this is the hard cap, so you can't, you know, it's, this is a soft cap, and then here's where the hard cap kicks in at whatever it is, 128. You like that for competitive balance reasons? I think I like that for competitive balance because what it does then is it prevents a team from just super loading on, you know, the fifth star and the seventh star. And Unless the that star. guy's willing to take some minimum deal, right? 
Yeah, but the collective bargaining agreement prevents that mm-hmm. from happening because you, you know you you've got ranges. Right? Some lower level deal. Yeah, right? lower level deal, right? And so I think that I think I think about if I'm the commissioner, I think about how do I put a hard cap in place to prevent you know a super team of eight guys just sort of taking over the league and then leaving me with a product that in three years expires or five years expires. And now it's I've got to reinvent my whole league again. The league is at a point, I think, right now where... They're at a peak. They really are. And they're just... It's a, it's an amazing entertainment event, entertainment event, but it's not an amazing sporting event. Not to say that Steph Curry and LeBron aren't amazing athletes, because I think they are. I think they're better entertainers than they are athletes right now. And I think the NBA is all about the entertainment. And so if you want, you got to make a sequel, right? You, you have to have a story to tell in the sequel, right? Okay. Sequels without stories are not any good. Let's, uh, let's sort of put a pin in this. And, um, but I love, I love this comment. And I want to, I kind of want to continue the conversation, you know, cause when I think of, when you say the NBA is entertainment, that makes me think of, this might be a little unfair, but maybe the polar opposite sport is baseball hmm. in terms of, and some of this is local, you know, thinking about, let's say the Hawks kind of positioning versus the Braves kind of positioning. But I think there's largely some truth to that in terms of these leagues going different directions in terms yeah. of almost one marketing themselves as an entertainment property, the NBA, and the other is like this kind of piece of, Americana, kind yeah. of a, a cultural yep. staple. So yeah. Maybe maybe a topic for next time. I think for next time we talk about that. Thanks a ton, Tom. Always appreciate you coming by. Always. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. <laughs>